Do you ever see those clickbait lists online? They're usually titled 101 films you have to see before you die. They pop up every once in a while. But tell the truth, how many have you actually seen? These movies are so ingrained in the fabric of modern pop culture through references and homages that you'd be forgiven for thinking that you'd actually seen them. So why not join me, Sam, a self-confessed cinephile who currently works in the film and television industry and even went to university to study film and TV. The only issue is, I've not seen many films. And me, Joel, a man who likes films a lot but is constantly described by his friends as overly anal and picky. But I'll let you decide. Each week, we will break down and review a different film, from zany cult classics to what many describe as cinematic masterpieces. Do these films deserve the legacy they've been given, or are they just overrated, bloated rubbish? Let's find out, as this week we discuss Fight Club. This is a 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen. Fight Club, the 1999 film directed by David Fincher. This movie is nuts. It is not what I thought it was going to be. I'm, I'm glad I had a break before it, because, wow, this film is complicated. So much happens, and then not so a lot I, happens. Yeah! So, I, I think... Shall we discuss it with the reveal straight away? I don't so think we, we should. I don't know. I think we have to. I think it's far more interesting to to discuss if you if, if you already know the twists. Most people have seen Fight Club. Yeah, I mean we could we so can spoil it, but then I don't know if it worked <laughs> to describe the film. Then when a twist happens, we can discuss what led up to it. Nah, I think let's I I think let's go over it, knowing the twist. Okay, I think that'll be more interesting. I think that'll be more fun. So, assuming that everyone has watched this film, the two main cast members are Edward Norton and Brad Pitt, and they're the same character. Just those two? Question mark. Whoa, you, you're about to blow my mind. Yeah, Brad, Brad isn't, Pitt's isn't, character. Isn't Marla also fake? Oh, mate, you're blowing my mind right now. Is she's she? not real, is she? I don't know. I hadn't thought she, about that. She's, she acts exactly the same way. She's like the opposite of Brad Pitt. Oh, my God. She's fake, right? Joel, my mind is melting right now. I had not considered that. <laughs> Really? Oh my god! No, but then no one. So I, I thought this no film was about like toxic masculinity, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it's the masculine side of him, Brad Pitt character. Yeah. Feminine side of him, Marla char- character, Helen Bonham Carter character, and. The end is him shooting himself to get rid of the masculine side and accepting his feminine side. But I and they're thought, all the same character. No, I thought he he Edward Norton character, the narrator, is the feminine side because he's the one who gives in to 
to buying all of sort of the materialistic possessions. Ah, oh, no, I think he's the like pathetic side. And but then some people could, I mean, taking it back to Gladiator, the pathetic character is usually the more feminine. Yeah. Oh, I definitely, I definitely think Marla's not real. I'm literally, I, like, tra- I am rewatching old... this film in my head right now, there's trying little, to think if literally things. any other character reacted to her, and I can't think of one. But then other characters react to uh, Brad Pitt, but, but it's then actually he's... Ed. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Marla's character doesn't make sense oh, otherwise. Because do I, do I now walks... dislike this film? She. <laughs> I think it's good because she goes into like think about it. She goes into the testicular cancer, yeah, help group. No one bats an eyelid that a no. woman. No, you're right. Is in the testicular cancer. It sh- also doesn't make sense for her to be going into all these other ones. Well, it, these it, other groups. She's doing well, what he's but it's doing. Not, though. But that's because it is him. Oh my god. And she walks into traffic. Uh, yeah, and she walks into traffic. traffic she she's often react. like a ghost, isn't she? Oh my goodness, Joel! You've melted my mind, <laughs> and we are getting far too ahead of ourselves. I think it's fine. I think this one's all going to be a weird one. It's not going to be structured like our other podcasts. Well, almost like this film. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. I think. Don't worry about it. Just. So now you know. Let the let the anarchy in to this let episode. Let the anarchy in. <laughs> so we, this film starts, doesn't it, with a full-on assault of the senses with those opening credits. Yeah, I had it on way too loud as well. Oh, reminded me of that song that used to be on, like the "You Wouldn't Steal a Car," you wouldn't download. Oh uh, yeah, it's like like too upbeat. But then I suppose leans right into the masculine, this is what men listen to kind of trend. This in the cinema must have been wild. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very 90s. Oh, my. It's the most. I mean, it's 1999. So, yeah. Epitome of the 90s. Antithesis of 90s. Yeah. Everything in this film is like, we're in the 90s and we want you to know about it. Yeah, especially Brad Pitt. Oh, God. Peak of his career, would you say? Yeah. What did he do he, after he this? Is, he probably went on to Ocean's, the Oceans this. franchise. Yeah. Right, so we, shall we get into some plot? We meet the narrator, a chronic insomniac who is unfulfilled both by his job as an automobile recall specialist and the material wealth it affords him. As a substitute for therapy, he attends a support group for problems he doesn't really have, such as alcoholism and cancer. Another imposter, Marla Singer, begins attending the same groups. Her presence is taken by the narrator as a constant reminder of his dishonesty, interfering with the therapeutic effect he's after. He confronts Marla and proposes they divide group attendance, to which she begrudgingly agrees. Right, so I I did not notice for the longest time that the main character doesn't have a name. Possibly because that big assault on the senses as it starts. Well, I they, didn't clock that for ages. There are multiple times in this movie where you think you're told his name. 
and you're yeah. not. Because he has all the fake names, doesn't he? He has his fake names, but also, like, anytime someone asks him his name, it's, like, really nicely interrupted. Mm. Like, so when Marla is stood in the middle of the road and asks him what his name is, I think, like, a bus drives past or something. Like, a lot of noise happens or a car horn beeps. And it's just naturally interrupted. So you you sort of don't clock that you're never being told his name. And he uh, multiple times sort of gets his business card out for people. But we never see the business card. And it's just... Yeah. It's very well done. And I... It's... Yeah. It's interesting having him as the narrator. Because as that bit plot summary says, he is dishonest. He is an unreliable narrator. This is where it comes from. You can't actually trust his point of view. Because the movie's from his point of view, but he's insane. You're absolutely right there. He is not all there. I think you have no idea throughout this what is real and what isn't real. No. And it's definitely a theme towards the end. The reason why I wanted to do the reveal and talk about that first and then go throughout the movie is because a, a lot of these things suddenly, like, I re-watching this in my head, I'm questioning it all. Like, yeah. he's going to these support groups, and he, even though he doesn't have those problems, but is he lying about not having those problems? Does he have cancer? Does he have a drinking problem? No, I think I think he's an insomniac, and you've got the oh, doctor, sure. and the doctor at the beginning says. Oh, you think you've got issues? You should go and see what people who have issues. But that are doesn't like. make sense. Why would doctors wouldn't say that? Well, I thought. I so th- that makes me think it's that is a scene that's constructed in his head. He's been to the doctor. The doctor told him horrific news, like you've got cancer, or your drinking scores this, or your smoking scores this, or whatever, and that's where the lies start. It's right at the start of the movie. That's when he actually has the mental breakdown. I mean, yeah, maybe you're right. I'm just... I'm, I could be again, completely I'm tra- talking out my ass. Yeah, I just, you've made This it. fun movie to theorycraft, isn't it? Well, I mean, the whole point of him going to those meetings is to make him cry, isn't it? Because yeah. as everyone knows nothing like a good cry like it but why why would he enjoy the cry if he didn't have anything i don't to think cry he enjoys about? the cry well that's the point ah, isn't he? he doesn't have anything to he... cry about so he makes these friends who cry and it brings out his emotional side and then he sleeps really well because he's he's got it all out but i wonder if there is some scientific basis for insomniacs sleeping better after they cry Citation needed. I have no idea. Big old citation needed. But very interesting theory, if not. Yeah. Sort of, th- sort of throws the entire movie up in the air, though. I I think he's fully insane. From the get-go. Well, you get... I think you see him starting this, to He crack, has this whole you? big thing about everything suddenly being pointless. Because... The big switch is when he goes to the doctors. But before that, he was quite 
happy with buying stuff and being a consumer? I don't think he is happy with it. But But why else would he do it? Because it's what he's been told to do. That's the whole point, isn't it? It's the whole point of this film is sort of rejecting consumerism, rejecting what advertisers say you should like. I think that's the top level theme. And he's like, but then he's being at the told... end of the film, at the end of the film, he goes against that. So really, this film is about finding a balance between consumerism and non-consumerism. It's not about rejecting consumerism because at th- the end, he rejects. He rejects Tyler, Brad Pitt's character, who is the big anti-consumerism guy. And he finds a middle ground. Well, it's bec- But then they go so off the deep end at the end. It, like it, do you know what I mean? It ramps up and levels up and levels up to the point where they are terrorists. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. But that's just an extreme version of anti-consumerism, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's the point. It's, it goes unchecked and peaks basically the 90s this period of the 90s it was definitely mocking like the advertising capitalist society that we lived in i mean this was 24 years ago and oh how it has grown even more and we completely ignored the warning signs yeah i they i think we, as a society, have become far more numb to advertising. Basically, we see through it more. Mm. Uh, and the current advertising strategies have to be far more sophisticated than they ever used to be. Like, even in my field over the last five years, five years ago, it was way easier than it is now. Because people have become far more intelligent about capitalism and use of advertising and targeting and so forth and make their own decisions more freely than they used to be so yeah it's it's kind of a growing problem but it's also kind of not as people become more intelligent about it i think the only issue that we still currently have is advertising towards children which is still an awful problem but then you go advertise to kids because the parents have money. Oh yeah, it's very profitable, yeah. very profitable, especially for YouTubers and the like. Ah. So next question, cool. Bob, is he real? Oh, I, what? No one's real by your logic. No I, one's real. Honestly, they, he's sat in his house. I think you making up nail. this entire I movie think on the head. You hit the nail on the head. But we can't. How can you discuss that? You can't. It doesn't dis- make sense. But I think you're thinking too far into it. <laughs> I think you need to take a step back and accept the narrative. That the Do the next bit watching. of plot, and I'll tell you how that doesn't make sense too. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I've still got stuff to talk about. Yeah, but it's not real. You're treading a dangerous <laughs> line, boy. <laughs> Go on, then. What's your, so, what's your points about I stuff mean the, that isn't real? Uh, well, the cast. The cast is real. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. What a great cast. Meatloaf. Meatloaf. <laughs> isn't this film? What? He doesn't sing, though, so big old, big old swing and a miss. He's great in it as well. He's brilliant. Jared Leto is in this film. 
a very not. young, very blonde Jared Leto. Although Jared Leto hasn't aged, has he? He's like in he's his fifties, and he not. looks like a twenty-year-old. He's gone to the Tom Cruise school of not aging. Yeah, there is unfortunately though some nineteen ninety-nine levels of CG. Oh yeah, the penguin, the penguin, and then there's a few sort of shots that you couldn't actually get. Like there's a shot of a bin. Like going through a bin, seeing all like the adverts and consumeristic mm. materials, and like anytime you see a bomb, it sort of tracks the wires and stuff. Those don't look too bad, but that penguin's rough. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Not needed, I would say. Yeah, it's a weird scene. It's a it's weird. Probably got scene. some deeper meaning. Oh yeah, but I don't know what that would be. Well, it doesn't matter because none of this is real, Joel. Maybe. Because it's the penguins about his spirit animal in his cave. If we're saying that nothing's real, then the house that they go to on Paper Lane or whatever it's called, Paper Street, Paper Street, maybe the house is his cave and Tyler is his spirit animal, and he is just sat in his room in his safe place. I am far too sober for this. <laughs> I just thought we we're gonna sit down. Have a nice discussion about a film and not have my mind melted. Yeah, no, no, no. That's too easy for Fight Club. So going back to what you were saying about him losing his mind right at the start. Yeah. We get these really, I don't know if you noticed, like flashes of Brad Pitt's character. Mm Mm-hmm. Like single frames popping in. Yeah, it's just him going crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's It's the alternate personality starting to come through. Yeah. So maybe you're right, maybe that, maybe there is some merit to your theory that he was told something really, truly terrible. But then it's weird that they wouldn't come back to that. I think I think they want this movie to be talked about and discussed and theories. I think they left it loose, a bit like uh, Inception mm. at the end. I think that's what the, I think it's a bit like a poem, this film, which is a stretch, but... Uh, but it's it's up for interpretation. I don't think there's a wrong interpretation, really. I think it's left open enough that people can have their own views and feelings on it. I think a very shallow view of this film would be that it's about anti-consumerism and that that's a good thing. I think that's... Sorry if I offend anybody. A pretty dumb view of this movie. I think it's about the opposite, if anything. I think it's how that total anarchy is not good and you have to find a balance. Uh, and I think it highlights how total consumerism is also bad. That it's about finding that place in the middle, which he does at the very end of the film. Only because he's gone too far off the scale on one end and too far off the scale on the other end. And he's also insane. And it's all in his head. I mean, yeah, I think you're perfectly right there. He's gone so far in one direction and so far in the other direction. He now knows. It's such a where messy the middle film, ground is. Which, it's such a messy film, in which there's so many themes. There's masculine, feminine themes. There's consumerism. Uh, there's anarchy themes. There, there's just so much going on that it it creates that. You know, like when we're discussing now, we're bouncing between different things and bouncing between everything. It's our most unstructured podcast that we've done. But that's because that's what this film is. It's unstructured mess that comes together as a plot. 
but it gives you that taste of i think it's why it's a brilliant film it gives you that taste of insanity my my mind is racing right now just I, exactly what you said like i'm racing like back and forth in the film in my head oh my god on a flight home from a business trip the narrator meets tyler durden a soap salesman and a projectionist who splices x-rated images into single frames of children's movies Tyler tells the narrator that he's trapped by consumerism. The narrator's apartment and all of his belongings are destroyed in an explosion, so he moves into Tyler's dilapidated house in an industrial area. The two start having consensual fistfights in the car park of a bar, which attracts other men and eventually leads to the formation of Fight Club. Marla then overdoses on pills while the narrator ignores her phone call for help, but Tyler saves her and they begin a sexual relationship. So we've we've already talked about meeting Tyler and stuff like that. There's a big reveal at the end of the film that the fights in the parking lot is him just beating himself up. Yeah. So if we're saying Tyler isn't real, yeah. and we're saying oh Marla isn't real, yeah, go on. I think we also have to say that the other guys in the fight club are also not real. No, they have to be. Why on earth would they join in on a guy just beating himself up in the car park? Because it's Tyler who inspires them to join, but Tyler's not really there. But he is Tyler. But he is Tyler. Everything Tyler says he's he's saying. But he's just beating himself up in the car park. That's the only bit we know is real because we see it from a subjective point of view. We get a flashback to it actually see any of the guys in flight in in fight club in a flashback or anything like that we only see them through edward norton's eyes the narrator's eyes so i think if we're saying tyler's not real and marla's not real we have to also say the guys in the fight club aren't. but then i think you're on a slippy slope saying that literally everything in this film is in his head i think it is yeah uh, but then, and then, and then you're going to the end. Like you're saying that the ending's all a delusion. Everything is a delusion. None of this happened. You're you're falling into the and it was all a dream. Sort I think of. It was. But that is the laziest form of screenwriting, which is why it's very rarely done. Because you you're you're basically just saying nothing has any consequences. I mean, None it, of this it's, happened. It's real to him. In his mind, I I think the all the guys, there's no reason for them. They don't. Again, there's plot holes everywhere. Like what? Unless it's all in his head. Name Why a plot would they hole. join? Because they. Why do they all have jobs in which they can just drop to join him in the mountain in the mansion? Well, that is the point. Their their minute. They say it in the film. They don't know. Their minimum wage, bottom of the ladder jobs, aren't they? They're valets, they're waiters, they're people who are overlooked by the posh people. But then, at, by the end of the film, they're police officers. They're yeah, people because, who are because valued in society. Fight club has spread so far and so wide across the country. It's it's that I, and it's all men as well. It's it's men honestly, who feel like they're overlooked and I honestly think they're all delusions and they're what 
the narrator sees as primal men and the epitome of masculinity and they're all his delusions. The narrator quits his job and beats himself up, blackmailing his boss for the company's assets to support Fight Club. More members then join Fight Club, one of them being Robert Bob Paulson, a man the narrator had befriended at a cancer support group. Tyler then recruits the men to his new organisation, Project Mayhem, which engages in acts of vandalism. When the narrator complains about being excluded, Tyler reveals that he was the one who caused the explosion at the narrator's condo. Tyler disappears, and when Paulson is killed by the police during a sabotage operation, the narrator tries to stop Project Mayhem. I mean, I, I wrote a note down here going, parts of this film are resonating with me. Oh. Like, I not generally, I'm not going to start building a bomb or anything, but like, <laughs> I became very aware of adverts, do you know what I mean? And like, rejecting advertisers. Yeah. And like, the version of me they want me to be. And that yeah. version of me is the one that buys their stuff. I, I, I ultimately think there's nothing wrong with consumerism. I think people often and this is going to be rich coming from me looking far too deeply into this film people look far too deeply into things and it's okay to enjoy consumerism it's okay to enjoy things because really whatever makes you happier makes you happier at the end of the day and as long as you're not toxic with your consumerism as long as you're prioritizing friends and family rather than consumerism then there's absolutely no problem with using it as a tool for happiness. What you're saying is you shouldn't get addicted to consumerism. You shouldn't yeah. always be chasing that next sort of hit of serotonin. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Everything's a balance. And that's ultimately what this movie's about. I think uh, from previous discussions I've had with people um, when to- after watching this film, uh, I think... I feel like a lot of people misunderstand this film, thinking it's anti-consumerism when it's actually about the balance of consumerism. Well, also, they hired Brad Pitt, who was one of the biggest movie stars of all time at that point, to push this film. Exactly. It's It's a consumer product in itself. Exactly. Interesting. I think... Apparently it resonated a lot with the anarchist teenage youth. Oh, I imagine the, the same ones who were influenced 2000s. by Taxi Driver. Yeah. The when... people who were taking the wrong message from this film. Exactly. I think it's quite easy to take the wrong message from this film. Uh, on a surface level, it's burn everything down. Yeah. And look how cool we are. Look how masculine we yeah. are. And, and I it's... feel like that is exactly the kind of person that this film is mocking. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So by taking is... that message from this film, you are you're being mocked. You're proving them right. It's like a weird snake eating itself situation. Absolutely. Which I think makes this a really cool film, but also kind of like a bit worrying how easy it is for somebody to take the wrong meaning out of this film. Mm. If someone's mental health is a bit loose, they really shouldn't watch this film. And I mean, there's no warning of that. No, and I I would say, I I feel like we said the exact same thing about Taxi Driver. 
Yeah, and if you're having mentioned it with Joker as well, like, yeah, this film can very easily push a certain kind of person over the edge. I think it can push people's buttons, and if you don't understand the full meaning of it, well, we're assuming we understand the full meaning of it. Uh, This is just our point of view of the film. Mm. Um, I haven't done any research. I haven't researched what the director wanted to portray. Uh, this is just my view of it. And Bob Bob dies. Bob dies, but Allegedly. Bob isn't real. Yeah, Bob isn't so, real, so therefore Bob didn't die. Uh, another bit that didn't make sense to me. Uh, like, now I'm going back through my head. All the guys chanting Bob's name. That makes far more sense if you think all the guys are in his head. Yeah, I will agree. When I was watching it, you get the flashback to them shooting Bob. And then somehow they got Bob back. Yeah, the they house. have the body. I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'll agree with you there. But maybe Bob Bob exists because that's what the narrator needed. Yeah. Um, Oh, you're turning me. Goodness. (laughs) Are you real? real? Is this podcast real? I'm questioning everything. The narrator then follows a paper trail to cities that Tyler had visited across the United States and finds that Project Mayhem has spread throughout the country. Marla and the Project Mayhem members address the narrator as Mr. Durden, and he realises that he and Tyler are the same person. Big, Big reveal. Twist. Big reveal. Big twist. Big M. Night Shyamalan level of a twist. Yeah. And unfortunately, didn't blow my mind. Because I think, I think I've been numbed so much by twists, I sort of saw it coming. Because they're building to it. The moment he starts this little montage of travelling to cities, and people are acting weird around him, and people are like, is this a test? And it's like, why? I'd started to suspect, and there is something that maybe deep down in my head makes me think, did I know this twist at one point? Like, it, was it deep in my subconscious that I already knew yeah, this twist? quite possibly. That when it happened, it didn't have that impact on me. Um, I think it did make me go back and rethink things. Is this where we had all the flashbacks? Yeah, this is the moment yeah. you start to see that he gets the flashbacks and he realises. I think this is also where I realised that Tyler and Marla are never in the same room together. Well, they are. They have a lot of sex. Yeah, but they're never in the room together with the narrator. It's always one or the other with the narrator. You have that point when the narrator knocks on the door and Tyler answers and you see Marla in the background. Do you remember? Because he answers in the yellow rubber gloves. Uh, yeah, true. And I th- there might be a point in the kitchen when they're both in there after the first night they had sex. No, they come in and out. Oh, okay. As one goes out, one comes I, I think it's got merit. The Marla one especially, I think, has got merit. Yeah. Um, maybe not every other character in the film isn't real. I think it might be stretching it a little bit there. I think he does go to place... Like, I, I don't think it's all a dream. Mm. I think he does go to the self-help groups and he does go to the doctors and he is in the hotel room and he does OD on the Xanax mm. as Marla. I think those bits are 
true, but I think they're the only true bits. I think it is. I think it is a cool reveal. It's a very it's cool nice reveal, and literally made everything. my brain start to race. As yeah. I was thinking back, going, "Well, how did they do that?" And then the film does a very good way of showing you. I mean, it shows you. It flashes back, showing you him fighting himself, showing you the fact that, like they address it, they say, "Sometimes I imagined myself watching Tyler, and I am Tyler." And it was like, "Oh my mm. god, that's." The narrator learns that Tyler plans to erase debt by destroying buildings containing the country's credit card reports. He tries to warn Marla, but she does not believe him. He then attempts to go to the police, but is threatened by the officers who reveal they are themselves members of Project Mayhem. The narrator then escapes to try to disarm the explosives in one building, but is subdued by Tyler and held at gunpoint on the top floor. I really liked that police reveal. I know it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> where you realise that Tyler has really covered his tracks, do you know what I mean? And it's like, well you said you'd say that. I said, like, Oh well yeah. now I'm saying now I'm saying something else. He goes, Yeah, but you said that you'd say that is that and you sort of go down this rabbit hole and it's like, Oh, it's clever. Is so this film clever? Getting my tin colander out of my cupboard and popping it rice on my head. I think this whole end section <laughs> is a metaphor for his life again. And it's all in his head. Bear with me. Bear with me. I'm so I think the the bit where, you know, Marla is staying in a hotel room. Yeah. I don't, I think that's real. And that that's actually the narrate, where the narrator is staying. Okay. Not in this paperwork's house, which is fake paper street or whatever it's called yeah. i don't think that's real because that makes no sense i think he is in the hotel room i think he has quit his job all of these night jobs that he's doing i don't think they're real with all these people who i don't think are real so i would say he's got some sort of illness or alcoholism or something he's staying in this hotel room and he wants to destroy the credit companies because he's run, running up his own debts. Not working. Staying in a hotel. And this whole end bit is him being in horrible debt with his mental illness. You know what? Great theory. You, you have, It's well thought out. And it makes sense. It's not because... well thought out because I've just thought of it. <laughs> So it probably has massive holes. Well, the only hole on, I can but... think is, well, he's he's got quite a good job. And yes, he's fired, but he's fired and blackmails them to basically bankroll Project Mayhem. Because it's quite a lucrative job. Because he's got the money. But if if, we're, if, if bank, we're saying if... that he is travelling in the planes everywhere, he's got the money to do that. But he's got a decent it's hard to know to what's count. real. When does the insanity start? Does he have uh, that job? I don't I th- know. I think you can look I into this know. movie too much. <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> I think. Yeah. It's like a soap it's, metaphor, it's... isn't it? You're you're scraping the bottom where all the fat is as opposed to the... Yeah. You've got the nitroglycerin at the top, which is where the people who look at top level, you're going too deep, which is the fat. And when what actually you really want is that lovely little bit in the middle. 
yeah. make the soap. I think that the the more interesting takeaway that it it isn't anti-consumerism, that it's about finding balance. That's the nice middle bit. Mm. Uh, but and that I is find, the bit I'm going to accept. I, I I find the scummy layer of it's all it's all in his head. I think is I think is quite fun. The narrator realizes that it is actually himself who's holding the gun, and fires the weapon into his own mouth, blowing a hole through the side of his cheek. Tyler stands motionless, smoke coiling from his head, and then collapses and vanishes. Marla arrives, being brought by Project Mayhem members, and finds the narrator badly wounded, but alive. He tells her that she met him at a very strange time in his life, and they hold hands and watch as the buildings around them explode. I mean, if it's not real... If we're saying Marla's not real, we have to say the Project Mayhem guys aren't real. And then we're saying the explosions aren't real. Exactly. But then what's the point? Well, it's it's a weird it's, battle it's, of his brain, isn't it, between his masculine and feminine side? It's a and very weird consumerist. It's a very weird stance to take that they actually do get to blow up the buildings, and the plan comes to fruition because that's almost like Tyler still won. Exactly. Which is so I don't take that stance because Tyler didn't win. But then he did because his plan worked. What a, what a rabbit now. hole. What a <laughs> rabbit hole you sent us down. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm completely lost now. Yeah, I don't know. Good oh, film though, isn't it? It's great, yeah. It's dark. There's a yeah, lot of dark gritty. bits. Very gritty. Like there's a spe- you've got that switch, haven't you? Like they're doing those sort of fun fun pranks, like changing the airline safety cards, which are hilarious. Like you've got the woman shoving the kid out of the seat so she can get her own oxygen mask. Yeah. Um, and then it takes takes that very sharp turn when Tyler just holds the gun to the back of a convenience store person's head and he's like, "You need to change your life now, otherwise I'm going to come and kill you." I'm like. Good God, that's dark. Yeah, and then they, to, yeah, it's hypocritical at times. This film, isn't it? It's so like quit your job, nothing matters, and then he's just like, follow get a new dreams. job or follow yeah. your dreams, become a doctor, kill you. go. Yeah, it's so it's, back and forth, isn't it? So maybe, yeah, maybe that comes from Tyler's brain. I think it was good. I I, en- was, I enjoyed I this. It was excellent. I think it's. I enjoyed this. Um, have you made me enjoy this less? Maybe, which is probably the first for the pod. Really? I quite. I, I think the rabbit hole you sent arguing. me down <laughs> means I now need to go away and rewatch this film at some point. Well, that's a good thing then. That's a positive. No, because I feel like re-watch. the next time I'm going to watch it now, I'm going to be going, well, on, this is real. That's yeah, not that's real. Okay this isn't real. It's not be real. Just, just think, just think about good old Harry Potter when he's when he's being killed by Voldemort and he's in limbo between life and death, and he asks Dumbledore, "Is this all in my head?" And Dumbledore says, "Well, of course it is." 
Well, yeah, it's all a fantasy it made up. Matter. It's all a fantasy made but up it by him. Matter. He's under the stairs, making us all up anyway. It's an abusive relationship. <laughs> yeah, he never, he never left the Dursleys because yeah. he has PTSD. Oh, he's a, he's a wizard. Okay. <laughs> Good. It all makes sense now. God. <laughs> Provide. I sort of want a sequel to this. I don't know about you. Really? No. I want. I want to see how this carries on saying that it is real saying that that happened i want to see what happens to this world how does this world react to having no credit card debt anymore but it didn't happen does tyler come back but it didn't happen (sighs) it's not a real world (laughs) (laughs) so the studio executives didn't like this film (laughs) And they altered the director's intended marketing campaign to try and reduce anticipated losses. Fight really? Club Fight Club failed to meet the studio's expectations at the box office and received polarized reviews from critics. Um, it was ranked one of the most controversial and talked about films in the 1990s, clearly because we're still talking about it in 2023. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the film did later find commercial success with home video releases, and Fight Club became a cult classic. Yeah, so I, it, I think it's a really good yeah, film. Did eventually make its money back. Mm. Um, it was nominated for the 2000 Oscars for sound editing, but lost <laughs> out really loud. Yeah, <laughs> lost out to the Matrix. Not fair. Which was yeah, good film. Yeah, good film. I think scores on the doors. You go first. I no, I I feel like if I was reviewing this when it first came out, okay, I'd have rated it higher. Okay. Um, However, I feel like this twist genre is overdone. Um, and then in the past sort of twenty three years. I've seen this done so many times it's watered down now. Okay. Six out of ten. Ooh. I think I think it's average. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna give it a seven point six out of ten. Okay. Okay. I think it's a very enjoyable film to watch. It's dark and gritty, but it doesn't make me feel horrible, mm. like Taxi Driver. No, I didn't feel horrible. Uh, the characters and... were likable, even though they are psychopaths. Yeah, and I've enjoyed chatting about it for the last hour. I was really looking forward to chatting about it, and then you sent me down a rabbit hole that I don't think I'm going to recover from. <laughs> well, I, I can only apologise. So, thank you for that. Um... And I guess, Joel, next week, so I'm excited for this, Joel, because I'm going to do something a bit different. Ooh. I'm going to suggest that we watch uh, a modern film. Yeah. A film that is getting a lot of critical acclaim at the minute. Don't say Shazam. I'm not going to say Shazam. I'm going to (laughs) say, Joel, that next week we're going to watch Everything Everywhere All at Once. Ooh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I want to watch that. That sounds good. I have heard nothing but amazing things about it. It's doing very well on sort of the award circuits at the minute. And yeah, I think that's, I haven't seen it. Let's watch that. I think, Joel, it's time to do the outro. I can only apologise to our listeners as we broke rule one. We spoke about Fight Club. We spoke about Fight Club. Bye! Excellent. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. If you could like this episode, it would really help us out. Do you have a suggestion for a film you think we should watch? Why not leave us a comment letting us know? You can also follow us on Insta at 1001 Movies Not Seen Pod. Or drop us an email at 1001 Movies Not Seen at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Oh, my brain hasn't been f***ed like that since grade school. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Wow.